0: Hey, crack fans. If you're a listener of this podcast, I imagine you feel fairly similar to how I do about the latest clothing options made available across the tennis market. Now, while I won't call out any brand in particular, I will say this. Given the exorbitant nature of the latest designs, feels like you better be pretty freaking good at tennis if you want to wear that sort of clothing on the court. Now, thankfully, we here at Crack Rackets are now able to provide a far more suitable, far more comfortable, and I'm going to be honest, far more stylish option for all of our Crack Rackets fans, courtesy of our friends over at Lucky Racket. Lucky Racket uses some of the best fitting and feeling tees in the world. Their shirts are combed, ring-spun heirloom cotton and tri-blend Bella and Canvas. I don't even know what that means, but that sounds spectacular. So... How can you get yourself some lucky racket gear? It's simple. Just go to their website luckyracket.com that's l u c k y r a c k e t.com and use our promo code crack 15 If you do, you'll get 15% off all of your purchases. That means 15% off the shirts, 15% off all of the incredible swag offered by our friends. Again, that's luckyracket.com. The promo code is cracked15. the mini break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, August 27th. If we've got Saturday finals on the ATP and WTA tours, it must mean we have a Grand Slam around the corner. That's exactly the case as the 2021 U.S. Open is officially set to get underway on Monday. Of course, that tournament has been the focus of the Great Shot podcast this week. We have covered and previewed the year's finals Grand Slam from just about every angle we've talked about the top men's and women's contenders with Gil Gross and Jeff Sackman, we talked about the top men's and women's dark horses with David Kane and Tumani Carriel. we even discussed the state of American men's and women's tennis entering the event with both David Gertler and Chris Otto if you have missed any of those shows you can find them all on our website crackrackets.com of course tomorrow David Gertler, Damian Koost going to join me to put a bow on U.S. Open qualifying, Jamie McDonald going to be joining me to preview both the men's and women's singles draws. So again, if you have missed any of that content, you can find it all in our U.S. Open preview guide on our website, crackrackets.com. You can tune on over to our Great Shot podcast feed as well. But before we start talking New York results, we got to finish up this week's action. Of course, it's been a very fun week of play. We've had the ATP event in Winston-Salem, two WTA events here in the Midwest in both Chicago and Cleveland. It's shaping up to be a really fun Saturday of finals as you look across the board. Annette Conteve taking on veteran Arena Begu. You've got Alina Svidalina looking to win, I believe it would be a title in her ninth of ten seasons, maybe even tenth of it. No, I think it's ninth of tenth here in Chicago as she, of course, is going to have a tricky match against Alize cornet Mikhail Emer, first ATP final for him. He's taking and on battle-tested Ilya Ivashka. want to talk about all of those matches, talk about how we got there as well on today's show. Of course, before we do that, I have to remind all of you listeners that the reason we're able to do this day in, day out here on the mini break is because of the support we get from all of you, because of the support we get from our Patreon family, and of course, because of the support we get from our friends over at Tennis Point. Now, it's the end of the week. You've heard me say it all week long, so I'll be brief here Tennis-point.com, the promo code is CR15. We are immensely grateful for their support. The least we can do, ask you to support them as well. uh, Tennis-point, the symbol not the spelling, tennis-point.com, the promo code is CR15. With all of that said, let's talk about the tennis we've seen unfold this week. Let's start in the land. I love a good hashtag. They have a good hashtag. They've embraced tennis in the land, and if you haven't been watching It's a beautiful stadium court. Unique is a word that's overused. Something can't be very unique. I had a professor in college who ranted and raved about this fact because unique means one of a kind. You don't need degrees to one of a kind. If something is one of a kind, it is one of a kind. The Cleveland Stadium Court is unique. The way the ceiling sort of bubbles over the top of the facility and just, again, it's one they just constructed this year. It's a brand new event. I have to give shout-outs, of course, to our friends Kyle Ross, Sam Duvall over at Top Notch Management because it's been, you know, well-run from top to bottom. We saw Miles Garrett in the crowd there today and, you know, I've seen them all over tennis Twitter, all over social media. Their social team absolutely killing it. Shout-out to what has been an extremely well-run event. Shout-out to the tennis we've seen there as well and you listeners will know if you've listened to this podcast throughout the course not only of this this season but of course late last season as well I'm on the Annette conteve bandwagon I just think she's such an interesting inflection point player in the WTA rankings and I went through all of the numbers yesterday you look for Annette conteve here in 2021 I mean unequivocally a step forward she's 23 and 13 she's won 64 percent of her matches you look for conteve here this season she made a final in Eastbourne still looking uh for that I believe second WTA title she won her first in her uh, second attempt back in In 2017, but of course, she's a completely new player now. And you look at the record for Conteve, what's so fascinating about that 23 and 13. And I know I went through this yesterday 2 and 4 against the top 10, 3 and 8 against the top 20, 7 and 12 against the top 50. She's 15 and 1 against players ranked outside the top 50 very much a litmus test player. The gateway into what is such a crowded top 40, top 30 of the WTA rankings. Of course, you look for Annette Conteve. She's number 30 right now. With this result here, she moves up, I want to say, to number 29 in the live rankings. That tells you how stacked it is up top. She wins a title. She's only going to move up to number 28, jumping Danielle Collins, who has lost like two matches in her past four tournaments and has been absolutely ridiculous. So again, that tells you how stacked it is right now within the top 30 of the rankings. If you can't beat Annette Conteve you don't have a shot because, again, Annette Conteve if you don't have a big weapon to make her uncomfortable, if you give her time on the court to get into her patterns, to move the ball around the court, and you look for her in her match today against Sarah Saribas-Tormo, that's just what she had so much success doing. The physicality of Saribas-Tormo, Conteve can match that. Contave is comfortable going the distance playing. You know, this was a straight set match that took, you know, two hours of play uh, because these are two players who get physical grind within their points, and you look for Annette Contave. The key for her, and again I talk about the weapon, a serve so frequently a weapon, Saribas Torro does not have a big first serve. Now she puts a million first serves in play, and in this match she made sixty-five percent to Contave's fifty-six percent. But you know, you look for Sarah Soribas Torro in this match, she goes twenty-four of uh, six, uh excuse me, thirty-four of sixty nine on service points in the match. Conteve was just able to apply constant pressure. She wasn't rattled by the Cerebus Tormo backhand slice. She can go down the line off of both wings. She can play short angles, play plus one, move forward, hit the swinging volley, which is what she did so well in today's match when Cerebus Tormo would throw in a slice rather than let that slice by Cerebus Tormo to recover. Conteve took it out of the air, took it a little bit earlier with the swinging forehand, puts a ton of returns in play as well. I mentioned this yesterday. She is a player who's top 30 club, and there's only 30 13 players on the WTA Tour who you can say are top 30 in both hold percentage, how frequently they're holding serve, and break percentage, how frequently they're breaking serve. Now, she's outside the top 20 in both categories. She's not elite at any one thing, and that's indicative of her record against top 50, top 20, top 10 opponents, but she's very, very good. And if you don't play your best tennis, she is going to make you pay. She's always one to watch in a Grand Slam. Last year was the loss to Osaka, but she held seed at that event. You look for her here again. Second final for her here this season, looking for her first title since 2017. What you also have to love about Annette Conteve, she's made WTA Tour Finals in on hard courts, clay courts, grass courts. Her game works everywhere. It's a really well-rounded skill set. Still only 25 years old. You know She's a 95er. She's younger than I am. Like, I don't consider myself old. Can't consider Annette Conteve old. Excellent win. Such patience. Particularly for her to show this physicality after such a physical match yesterday against Sinyakova. Gotta tip your hat to the visor. Of Annette Conteve. She advances in straights into the final where she is going to take on Arena Camilla Bergue, the 31 year old veteran who, by the way, birthday yesterday. Happy birthday to you, Arena Camilla Bergue. She's August 26th. Uh, that's going to be an easy one to remember as my mother is August 25th. She's taking advantage of her draw here this week. Wins over Alexandrova, the number three seed, tricky one first round, but then she beats Herzog, Sasnovich, and Magda Lynette. Straight set wins for her in all four of her matches to advance to the final here in Cleveland. You look for Begu. It's her first WTA final since Bucharest 2017. On that occasion, she beat Julia Gerges. She has won multiple WTA titles in her career. She also made a final at the Indian Wells 125K last year that she ended up winning. You look for Arena Camilla Begu, who's been able to play WTA level schedule this year, 17 and 12 across the board. Now, it wasn't great for her on the clay court. She had three match losing streak Madrid uh, after qualifying in Madrid she loses first round there first round Qualies Rome first round of Roland Garros she then makes third round Wimbledon before losing to Svantec you look for her you know lost first round qualifying to Fernandez in Cincy but now the big run here to get some match play under her belt on hard courts entering the U.S. Open I mean, you look for Bagu, certainly she, I wouldn't qualify her as a dark horse, someone I expect to see in the second week. But of course, you look at her experience at Grand Slams over the course of her career. Arena Bagu is someone who has made a round of 16 at Roland Garros before, made a round of 16 at the Australian Open before. No quarterfinals for her in her career at the Slams yet, but You know, she made a third round uh, at a slam as recently as Roland Garros 2019. So it's absolutely still in the cards for her. She's playing good tennis here this week. Uh, Again, you look at her result here today uh, in particular for Irina Begu in her uh, semifinal win. It was, again, a 7-6-6-2 win over Magda Lynette. You look at what she was able to do so well was her first serve. And just playing first strike, she won 73% of her first serve points. She won 68% of her second serve points. Now, Irina Begu won nine second serve points. Magda Lynette won eight. It's not very good from either of them. They were both, you know, for Bagu, she was 9 of 22. Lynette was 8 of 25. But, you know, again, for Bagu, she's taking advantage of her draw this week. Gets a much-needed WTA final under her belt. With this result, Bagu back up to number 66 in the WTA rankings. She wins tomorrow. She'll go up to number 57 again. I mean, I was talking about this with Tumani Carriol. Right now in the rankings, 52 Samsonova, 53 uh, Sinyakova, 55 Kostiuk, 57 Vekic, 65 Sloan Stevens, you know, like Caroline Garcia's 62. That's ridiculous talent to get to that point of the rankings, but again, that's the action thus far. In Cleveland, it's going to be, uh, again, Irina camilla uh taking on Annette Conteve. For those of you who are curious in their career for uh, Begue against Annette Conteve, they have played never before. This will be a first career matchup for the two of them, so should be an interesting one in the land tomorrow. Of course, that is one of two WTA events. You look at what's going on in Chicago this week. It's going to be Alize Cornet taking on Alina Svitolina. The sustained consistency of Svitolina. And I know for a lot of people, because particularly that 2018 season, 2017, when you know it felt like she was going to be a top five player consistently. She's just her athleticism, her consistency, her abilities in the outer thirds of the court to go big down the line, hit short angles, cross courts, her ability to play front foot tennis if you don't have a weapon that hurts her you know there are a lot of expectations on Alina Svitolina and when she made a couple of semifinals in 2019 at slams it felt like okay here we go she's rocking and rolling and you know obviously you look for Svitolina if those are your expectations these past two seasons have been a step back however you look at it just realistically she's 30 and 16 here in 2021 you look for her now this is her first final of the season but again in the 17 now events she's played she's made the quarterfinal round in eight of her events eight of 17 i mean she's winning you know one two matches in the majority of her play there's a reason i know number six in the world feels a little high and you look right now at the advanced numbers elo rating she's i believe. I believe, for ELO ratings right now. Here we go. Uh, Alina Svitolina, her 2021 specific ELO rating has her 26th. Overall, she's 15th right now. Obviously, those are lower than her number six ranking. And part of that is the protections she has from 2019. But you look for Svitolina. She's been rock solid. And again, she has been a top 15 player now. For about 8, nine, ten seasons, and I'll get into those numbers uh, momentarily, but again, it is worth pointing out for Alina Svitolina, for those of you who think it's a drastically down season for her you know, she's, in terms of hold percentage, she's, uh, you look for her uh, here this season, her hold percentage, 70.5%. That's above her career average of 69.1. Now, her break percentage is a little bit lower, 38.8, compared to her usual average of 40.9, but she is also one of those 13 players who's top 30 in both hold and break percentage. Now, much like Contave, right now, she's not elite in any one category. She's not top 10 in break percentage as she so frequently has been throughout her career she's not even top 15 in hold percentage but she's pretty good at everything still on the court and there's just a place for that in the ecosystem on the WTA tour you look for Alina Svitolina she's won a WTA title in every season since 2012 except 2019 and this season. Now, she's got a really good chance tomorrow against Alizé Cornet because Corneille, of course, doesn't have that huge weapon that can disrupt the pace of Svitolina, that can force her to get a little bit error-happy, and Corneille's played some physical tennis over these past couple of days. Not that Svitolina didn't in her three-set win over Rebecca Peterson, but look, for Alina Svitolina, she wins this title. That's nine titles in... T- or nine seasons in tens- uh, nine years in ten... Nine of 10 years, there it is, leave it all in West Off, with a WTA Tour title. That's ridiculous consistency. I'm not like saying she's a Hall of Famer yet, but let's be clear. Svitolina is still 27 years old, or excuse me, turns 27 on September 12th. She's got a good five years left in her of her prime, and there's no reason with the openness of the WTA tour. She gets hot. She is fit in for the right two weeks. Say it's Australia. Say it's maybe even a Wimbledon. Given the lack of sample size on grass course for so many of these young players, there is still a window for Svitolina. It's I would say it's even more open than the Karolina Pliskova window. Now, of course, Pliskova's elite has been better than Svitolina's elite throughout the course of their careers thus far. But I still think the window's a little bit open for both of them. So this is a good run for Svitolina. I'm not saying she's going to win New York, but this is a much-needed confidence booster for her heading into New York. Of course, now in the final, she is going to take on—oh, and by the way, Alina Svitolina, 15-3 in her career in WTA Tour-level finals. That's clutch. It's pretty damn clutch. She's the favorite tomorrow, taking on Alize Cornet. You look for Cornet, 19-19 here in 2021. This was not uh, only—this was her first final, excuse me, is her first final of the season. First final since Lausanne in July of 2019. First hardcourt final since Brisbane 2017. Looking for her first title since Gestad 2018. That was a clay court event. You look for Cornet. I mean, this was a big one for her. Up to number 56, 12 spots in the rankings just means you don't have to usually play qualifying at at the premier mandatory now 1,000-level events. The Miamis of the world, the Indian Wells of the world still in strike zone. And for 31-year-old Alize Cornet, that's just where you want to be right now, getting to play the schedule you want to play. It was a much-needed week. Big decision for her to play this week. You look for Cornet the win she's able to get. You know, three sets over Anne Lee, Von Now here, three sets over Gracheva. It's a lot of physical tennis. Will that impact her at the U.S. Open? Maybe. But the good news now, you know, no worries about falling outside the top 100. No worries about falling outside the top 75. Alize Cornet has positioned herself very well with this run here, with the semifinal run in Berlin. She's come on strong here in the second half of the season. Uh, certainly, again, tomorrow, Her versus Fidelina should be a really, really fun match. That's your action... On the WTA side, now you look at the ATP event we've got going on in Winston-Salem. First career ATP final for Mikhail Emer. I talked about him a bunch already this week, so I won't repeat myself, but it was a really impressive win for him in his follow up win today over Carlos Alcaraz. You look for Emer was a seven five six three victory for him in that match. I mean, I said it yesterday. I'll say it again today. He is a tennis chameleon. The better the opponent, the better he plays. And by the way, it, you know his athleticism. Um, it, it just translates. It allows him to match levels with a guy who hits the ball as heavy as Carlos Alcaraz, and you could tell. You know, even though Garon last night was straight sets, physical week of tennis for Carlos Alcaraz, and this was an unequivocal step forward for the young Spaniard. He continues to get much-needed hardcore reps under his belt, and he played really well. You can just tell he's not going to struggle with depth on his forehand, on his backhand. He's not going to struggle with movement. He's going to struggle with movement the way any 18-year-old would struggle with movement playing against 26-, 27-, 28-year-old grown men, but he has it. And it's going to work across surfaces, I just thought, today. You know, again, Emer just—he's so fluid in the outer thirds. He takes your pace, absorbs it, redirects it so well, so unpredictable where he's going to go down the line cross-court. And he really does have all of the shots. He's comfortable moving forward, although sometimes makes— Spotty decisions, we'll say, about when to move forward. But there's a lot to like about Mikhail Emer's game. Who, with his first W, uh, excuse me, ATP final, moves up to number 72, which is five off his career high of number 67. Now, with a win tomorrow, he would move up to a new career high of number 60. But he's going to take on a guy in Ilya Ivashka, who is also making his first career ATP final, but has been one of the workhorses of this ATP season. Now, you look for him here this season. He's played qualifying at eight different ATP events. He's qualified for five of them, got a lucky loser into one of them as well. He's made four ATP quarterfinals. You look for him in his career uh, in terms of ATP uh, quarterfinals he's made. Four of the seven he's made in his career have come this season. He won two challengers at the end of 2020 unequivocally they helped the 27 year old now and you look for him 27 years old given the extended primes and the extended age range of what it is now to be a prime player in professional tennis the extended physicality that's needed which is why you see a guy like Ivashka a guy like a continue you know Mackie McDonald Marcos Girone tennis Sandgren play their best tennis in their late 20s is because there is a physical component that for some guys just comes a little bit later and for Ivashka it's absolutely come this season you look at just the success he's had across the board here this year 22 and 12 overall in atp level matches outside of qualifying you look for him you know just in general here uh in 2021 for Ilya Ivashka. i believe this season and i don't want to be incorrect here he is 34 and 16 overall I mean, he's gotten it done in qualifying. He's gotten it done in ATP-level matches. He's had a success on hard courts. He's had success on grass courts. He made a semifinal in Munich on the clay courts as well, where he beat Rusevori and Mackie and Zverev in three sets before bowing out to Jan-Leonard Struff. You look for Ivashka overall this season against top 50 players. He's 5-6. and six against top 20 players, three and five. That's the profile of a top 50 player. And you look for Ilya Ivashka now in the ATP rankings up to a new career high of number 57. You look for him in the race to the year-end finals. Ivashka currently sits at number 47 overall. You look at the advanced metrics. ELO rating-wise, Ilya Ivaska currently, in terms of overall ELO, number 43, 2021 specific ELO, his uh, 29 and 16 record, good for 30. You look at how his numbers would translate again over these last 52 weeks overall. 34 and 16 is Ilya Ivashka. You look for him here. Uh, Again, I want to make sure I'm not incorrect. For Ilya Ivashka over these last uh, 52 weeks, hold percentage, 83.1, break percentage, 26.5. That 83.1 hold percentage would trail Chorich for 17th overall amongst top 50 players. I mentioned again the break. Break percentage for Ilya Ivashka, 26.5%. That number would rank behind Rood, Rude, uh, good for about 17th again. So he would be a top 20 club. Now, you'd probably have to adjust for competition, and a lot of his has come at the ATP 250 level. But when you're winning two-thirds of your matches at the 250 level, you're going to become a top 50 player, particularly when you're doing it across surfaces, as Ilya Ivashka has done. Quietly one of the best stories of this 2021 season, a guy I would want no part of early in the first few rounds of New York Big sir. Again, he's your modern player. 6'3, 6'4, 6'5. Fluid mover for his size. Easy power off of both wings and comfortable doing a little bit of everything. Again, it's not the highest upside, but he's a guy with a really high floor as a tennis player. He's going to be a top 75 guy now, I think, for the next two, three seasons. Fantastic result here for Ilya Vashka. First ATP final. Another great scheduling call. Should be a funny, fun Saturday match between him and Mikhail Emer. And again, your matches on the day in Cleveland should be a fun one as we've got Conteve uh, taking on uh, Irina Begu. You've got Cornet Fidelina in Chicago. Emer versus Ivashka in Winston-Salem overall. Going to be a fantastic Saturday of tennis. Of course, U.S. Open starts on Monday. If you've missed any of our preview content, you can find it on the preview guide on our website, CrackRackets.com. Of course, you can find all of my conversations on the Great Shot Podcast feed and speaking of which, like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, the Great Shot Podcast, our Cracked Interviews podcast as well. Of course, if you meet, need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Pod. A shout out as always. To our super producers, Max Flickner and Daniel Westoff for the f*** of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout out as well to our friends over at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 with all of that set for our super producers, Fliegner and Westhoff, our friends at Tennis Point. And from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. Talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone we we'll you